0: With your Bible open to John chapter 20, we want to read the last two verses of this chapter. Now John has a prologue and an epilogue. The prologue is chapter 1. The first few verses, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. The book of John has an epilogue. That epilogue is chapter 21. He comes to a natural close and climax of the book in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Those are the two verses that we focus on tonight as we think of what does it mean that Jesus is God. What does it mean that Jesus is God or the power of his deity? May we pray. Our Father, we pray tonight that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to all of our hearts. Such a joy and blessing to be in this place. To hear these lovely songs and to hear from the organ and piano. The majesty, melodies that honor Christ. Thank you for the way the man has led us tonight in praising you. We thank you for every visitor who has come and for our hosts and hostesses. We thank you for those from Glendale. Thank you for these visitors. Thank you for Brother Russ and Miss Karen. Now may the Holy Spirit speak to every heart and open our hearts to hear from heaven. Lord, help us to love you with all of our minds and souls and strength that we might yield ourselves on the altar and have victory in Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. If you had to single out one, one verse of Scripture from the whole Gospel of John that just gives the purpose of the writing of the Gospel of John, that would be it. Verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing... might have life through his name now this is closely related to the passage in Philippians chapter 2 beginning with verse 5 if you want to turn there in your Bible it would be helpful Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 Paul says to the Philippian Christians let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Almost all recognize that Jesus is divine. But there's some people who question whether Jesus is deity incarnate. The whole thrust of the New Testament is to say the Messiah of the Old Testament was fulfilled at Bethlehem. For unto us is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The fulfillment of everything from Genesis to Malachi was poured into that one being, the Lord Jesus Christ. Born in a manger humanly speaking. But as John puts it in the prologue, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And so Jesus is deity. Jesus is God. And this is the reason we invite people to come to Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to approach the throne of God is through Jesus Christ. This is the reason why believers can pray. Believers have the witness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Believers have a direct access to God. And when death comes, we don't have to be afraid Because Jesus is there to take us safely home, to be with Him. Our trust is in Jesus Christ. Now what does it mean that He is God? John said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God. What does it mean? I want to suggest to you tonight four things that it means that Jesus is the Son of God or that Jesus is God. Number one he paid the price for our sin because Jesus is God he had the strength and the ability he had the acumen he had the authority to pay the price for sin someone wrote a poem there was none other good enough to pay the price for sin he only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in the Bible tells us in Genesis that God made man in his own image There was nothing to to mar the image of God in man. And then sin, the monster, the tragedy, the travesty, the horrendousness of sin came upon man. And God looked over the balconies of heaven, and He said, It repents me that I have made man. I will destroy him from off the earth. In Romans chapter 1, we see that the Gentile world had an access to God they had a knowledge of God written on their hearts but they sinned against that knowledge of God in chapter 2 of Romans we see that the Jews had the very oracles of God they had Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy they knew all about God but they did not keep what they knew about God and in Romans 3 He concludes by saying, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And our big problem in life is sin. S-I-N. And the middle letter of that word is I. There is no sin except the I sitting on the throne, calling the signals, wanting its own way. And not until I gets off the throne and we enthrone Christ as the Lord can there be forgiveness of sin. But I want to show you that Jesus came to pay the price for sin. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. That's a marvelous picture of what's going to happen when we get home to heaven. There are going to be great songs in chapter 4 and 5. There are five songs listed that we're going to be singing, and we'll hear the music of the redeemed over in the glory. But look as chapter 5 begins. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a scroll written within and without, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the scroll, neither to look on it. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the scroll, neither to look on it. This is John speaking. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him that sat upon it. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and four twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Only Christ was worthy to open the scroll and to show what was to come because he was slain and paid the price for our sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. In Romans 5, 8, but Christ commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin, death, Christ died for us. He paid the price for sin. In First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, a very precious passage of Scripture. Listen to this. For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain manner of life, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot, I heard about the boy that took all morning to catch a sparrow. He wanted to catch it. He'd seen it for a long time, and he decided, I'm going to catch me a sparrow. And so he worked and worked and worked, and finally he got his sparrow. And he started walking down the street with his little bird in his hand, and he met a man. The man said, Sonny, what you got in your hand? Why, well, he said, I've got a little bird. And he said, well, let me see that bird. And he looked at it. He said, well, Sonny, that bird needs freedom. He was not made to be captivated and captured and held in your hand. You need to free him. Why, he said, I'm not going to free him. It took me all morning to catch him. I'm going to hold on to him. And the man thought a moment. He reached in his pocket and pulled out some money, about a dollar. And he held it out to the boy. And he said, son, I'll give you a dollar for that bird. And the boy looked at the bird and he looked at the dollar he said, It's a deal. And the man handed him the dollar, and the boy handed him the bird. And the man held the little bird out, and the bird was all squinched over and his wings all down. And the man said, You're free, Bertie. You're free. You can fly away. And the little bird just sat there. And finally, he ruffled his feathers a little bit, and the bird flew away. He was freed because that man paid the ransom for the bird. He bought the bird's freedom. I say to you tonight, That's what Jesus did. Because Jesus was God, He had the authority to pay the price for sin, and He has already paid it. And every man, woman, boy, and girl within the sound of my voice tonight can have freedom in Christ, freedom from sin, and you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, and your name can be written in heaven because Jesus is God, and He has already paid the price for our sins. Secondly, not only did He pay the price for our sins, He put away the priestly system. Now, in the Old Testament, when a man sinned, he would go to the priest and take an animal, if he could afford it, or a pigeon or a dove or something, and he would offer the animal as a sacrifice for his sin. And then the priest would make a sacrifice with the animal. He would kill, he would take two animals, he would kill one of the animals, and he would offer that animal on the altar of sacrifice. He would take some of the blood from that animal and sprinkle it on the other one. And then he would send that animal out into the wilderness, out there, way out, to die alone out there. Now all of that, a symbol of something better to come. Once a year, the priest would go beyond the veil in the holy place and he would offer a blood sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Beyond that veil in the Holy of Holies, there was an Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was covered... was uh, aaron's rod that budded there was a golden pot of sample manna taken from the wilderness wanderings there was a copy of the decalogue the ten commandments and the priest would offer blood on that altar the blood symbolizing a cleansing from sin in leviticus 17:11, there is no forgiveness there is no redemption except by the shedding of blood and in hebrews Chapter 10, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering often the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You see, because Jesus was God, he put away the priestly system. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or take away its stain. But Christ, our sacrifice, a nobler name than them, than they, a richer blood than they. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow And folks, that's the reason in Bible-believing churches today we do not call our preachers priests. Because when Jesus died, He paid the price for sin. He put away the priestly system. And every one of us is His own priest. When we come to God by Christ, we can go directly to the throne of God and we are a priest under God. So in our Bible-believing churches, we have preachers. We have ministers. But we do not call ourselves priests unless we would call every Christian a priest. There are priests over here and priests over here and priests back there and priests back here because in Christ we are priests. It is because Jesus was God that he put away the priestly system. Thirdly, because Jesus was God, he promised perpetual life. Now listen to this. We think of perpetual motion as something that gets spun into motion and it just keeps on and keeps on without any outside influence. That's not what I mean tonight. But I mean that when a person comes to Jesus Christ and trusts Him as His Savior, a sinner is willing to come and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need God in my life. I need Christ in my heart. And we repent of sin, and we invite Jesus to come in. Do you know what Jesus does? Listen to this. In John chapter 10, listen to what our dear Lord says. Beginning with verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now when you come to Jesus and trust Him as your personal Savior, He gives you perpetual life. That is, He comes inside of your heart and He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Our salvation is not dependent upon our holding on to God. It is His holding on to us. You take your child down on the busy street over here at Horse Cave and and you cross the street where all the cars are running back and forth and you say to your child, hang on to daddy, hang on to mama. And you may say that, but that isn't what you mean at all. You get their hand and you hold on to them. Because you know that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and he might just run out from you and get hit by a car. So does God know that. God knows that foolishness is bound up in the heart of his children. And he may, there may be times when we say in songs, hold on to God and hold on to the everlasting arms and so on. But what really happens is that he holds on to us. He's the one that does the holding always and forever. Someone gave me this watch. and I put it in my hand. I close my hand on it. And then I seal it with his other hand. Now if you're bigger than I am, if you're stronger than I am, and there may be somebody here tonight that could do it, you could come up and ply my hands apart and you could get that watch out from my hand. But, if you're not stronger than I am, you can't do it. I've got it. Now, inside my hand, that watch may slow down. If it does, I open it and try to do something to it to get it to speed up a little bit. Or that watch may run ahead of me. And I go into it and do something to try to get it to sort of go a little bit slower. Or the watch may just quit. I may have to shake it, wind it. If that doesn't do any good, I may take it to the fix-it shop and I'll say, here, please fix this watch. But I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to say, here, no good, no throw it away. I won't do that because it's very important to me, very precious to me. Now listen, when you get saved, when you give your heart to Jesus, God puts you, Jesus puts you in the hand of God. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit seals you unto the day of redemption. You're in Christ and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now somebody in this room may be bigger than I am and you could come and take the watch out of my hand but the Bible says no man is stronger than my Father and no man can pluck you out of his hand. You see when you come to Christ You receive forgiveness and pardon, and you receive life, eternal and everlasting. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life forever. Do you think that Jesus would go to the cross and die for our sins, and I come to Him and trust Him as my personal Savior, and He forgives me and He saves me, and 30 minutes later I go out and sin, and he loses me and I die and go to hell, would Christ have died on the cross to save me for 30 minutes? He died to save me forever. forever. And he is able to save everyone who will come to God by him, and he'll save you forever. You're his. He is yours forever and forever. That's because Jesus is God. If Jesus were a mere man, he couldn't do that. If he were some great prophet, he couldn't do that. Moses couldn't do that. Aaron couldn't do that. Paul couldn't do that. Matthew couldn't do that. Peter couldn't do that. But Jesus could because he is God. And John said, I write this whole book to you just to tell you that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And everything I've said in this book is magnified a thousand times because Jesus is God incarnate in human flesh and he has the authority and the power to forgive you of your sins and to give you life and life abundant and life eternal now last of all not only did he pay the price for our sins and put away the priestly system and promise us perpetual life but he provides power sufficient I like that he provides power sufficient look in your Bibles at Romans chapter 6 well, first of all, Romans 1, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Not, I'm not one whit disappointed in the gospel of Christ. It is the power, the dunamis of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now look over at Romans chapter 6. Not only is He the power of God into salvation, but He provides power to help us overcome sin. Did you know that? Some of you have been limping along with old habits and old sins and you've wondered what in the world can I do with them? I have no victory. I have defeat after defeat. Now I recognize that there are some church members that never worry about that at all. They just haphazardly here's here's the Christian life I I can't help sinning so if I sin it's okay and so on but there are some people that have gotten close enough to Jesus that you've recognized that's not God's plan for you God does not want you to go on limping he doesn't go want you to go on sinning he wants you to have some victory in your life victory in Christ well the Bible says that's available because Jesus is Christ because he's God Listen to this in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in its lusts. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion or power over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Meganoito, God forbid, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. God, God's standard is that we not sin. In 1 John chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. In the very next breath he says, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is our attorney. He is the one that enables us to go on. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled, for faith has caught the joyful sound, the sound of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on solid ground, higher ground. Jesus gives the power to overcome these little old petty sins and these little old habits and these little old things that would make us ashamed before him at his coming because he is God. On his first anniversary as a Christian, Charles Wesley, the brother of John, wrote these words. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. The man who used to be profane doesn't have to be profane anymore. The woman who used to be a gossip doesn't have to gossip anymore. And it's not just women that gossip. Men gossip too. The young person that was all eaten up with lust when Christ comes in and he lets Christ and he reckons that he is dead to sin, he does not have to go on in that lustful life because Christ can give him victory. Because Jesus is God. He provides power sufficient to overcome sin. But not only that, he provides power to have joy. In John 16, 24, he says, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Christ wants us to be filled with joy. It is not His will that we be mulish faced and uh, old, discouraged, and depressed all the time. He wants to give us fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there is fullness of joy. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, these things write I unto that your joy may be full. God wants us to be joy-filled. Do you have joy in your heart tonight? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, because Jesus is God, He enables us to have joy in the midst of sorrow. Joy in the times of pain. Thirdly, He provides a song. He giveth His beloved songs in the night. David said that He lifted me up out of an awful pit set my feet on solid rock and he has given a new song and many shall see it and be glad. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter melody, it's the melody of love. In my heart there dwells and rings a melody because Jesus is God. Do you have that song in your soul? Does the song leader have to come up here and say, now come on, let's everybody sing. Or when you get ready to sing, isn't just a song inside. He gives you songs even in the night. He gives you a song in your soul. I'm not talking about carrying a pretty melody. Let us make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There's some people that can't even carry a tune in a bucket. But when Jesus is inside, listen, He gives you a song inside of you. He promised that. And then, not only does He give power for all of those things, He gives power to open the gates of heaven. Jesus said to the disciples the night before Calvary, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, so like many of us, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, because he is God, had the authority to open the gate of heaven. He is the one that has the key to death and hell and heaven, and any man, woman, boy, or girl who'll come the Jesus way, who'll come and say, Lord, I need you, I want you, and will be willing to repent of sin, and he's heard the Savior call inside. He's heard God speak to him inside, and he's willing to say, Lord, I open the door. I want you to come in. Then Jesus opens the door to heaven. And after a while, When you've gone down the trail and you come at the end, Jesus opens the door. I was in the hospital in Bowling Green several years ago. I was walking down the hall near the intensive care unit and a nurse came out and said, said, you're a preacher, would you please come in here? There's a family that needs you. I went in and there was a, a family standing outside of a private room door in that unit. And they said, uh, we don't understand what's happening, but our uh, mother is out of her mind. And uh, she keeps saying she wants to go home. And she can't go home. She's very, very sick. And uh, she says she's going home. Said she's going home today. I wish you'd go in and help her and calm her down a little bit. I went in and stood beside her. She looked up. I introduced myself. Oh she said I'm so glad you came. She said you'll understand what my children can't understand. She said preacher, I'm going home today. I don't mean I'm going back on the street and she named the street where she lived. She said I'm going home. Jesus has told me I'm going home. And I'm so glad because all the burdens of the of the of life have just have caught me and I'm physically frail and I'm just ready to go home and I'm looking forward to being home with the Savior. Could you help them understand it? And preacher, she said, they're not ready to go home and I don't want to go and leave them because they may not get home. I knew what she was saying. I went out and talked with them a little while. I said, friend, your mother is not talking about going back to Nutwood Avenue. She's talking about going to the city of God. And she's ready. She was saved a long time ago, she had told me. And she said, the reason she's telling you she's going home is because she wants you to be ready to go home too. One of those children accepted Christ as Savior right there in the unit. Two others did not. I went back in and I took that one that had received Christ and we prayed. I prayed with that dear lady. and I said, "Uh, you're going home today? She looked up, bright, brilliant eyes. She said, yes, preacher. I said, this other loved one is ready to go home too. And she looked at that daughter, I believe it was her daughter, and she said, honey, I'll meet you at home. And in a little while, she closed her eyes in death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. Because Jesus is God, he has the authority to open heaven. And friend, if you're saved, heaven is your inheritance and you are his inheritance he dwells in you and he beckons you if you're here tonight and you're not saved because Jesus is God he has the authority to say if you'll come I'll forgive your sins I'll cleanse you I'll write your name in heaven and I'll give you power to overcome little old petty sins along the way I'll give you a song in your soul. I'll give you joy in your heart. And I'll be at the depot of death and take you safely across and place your hand in God's hand forever. Would you come to Christ now? May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a moment. Our Father, we're so grateful that Jesus has the authority, all power given unto Him in heaven and earth. He has the authority to forgive our sins, to speak us clean and cleansed and forgiven. And He has that same authority to meet us at the end of the way and say, come home, my child. In my Father's house are many mansions. I've gone to prepare a place for you. Help somebody tonight to turn away from sin and turn to Christ. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. May we stand, please? Let's stand together. I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. I don't think we need a book for that song. It says, I can hear the Savior calling. What page is it if we need it? 361. If you want to turn there, look at at it a moment and then look at me a moment. I have a message for you, a word for you. 361. The invitation is very simple tonight. If you're here and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and you're willing to come and confess Christ as your Savior, you're willing to say, I want to go home at the right time. I'm not talking about leaving tonight. But I'm, I want to be ready. At the right hour, at the moment, and I don't know when it'll be, there may be someone in this room in whose honor we meet this coming week at a funeral home. This whole congregation, gathered together as we are tonight, may never be gathered like we are again. There may be someone who is hearing an appeal for the very last time. Because Jesus is God, I plead with you. To come to Christ just love him surrender to him if you're not sure how to do it if you'll come we'd like to take the Bible and show you how to be saved if you're already saved you need to come and confess Christ Jesus said whosoever shall confess me before men him will I confess before the Father which is in heaven but whosoever denieth me before men him will I deny before the Father which is in heaven would you come Any age, a little boy, little girl, young person, man, woman, older person. Brother Russ, Brother Russ Limer standing here. Will you come tonight for Jesus' sake while we begin to sing?